0: Well, happy Mother's Day! <laughs> As Brandon said, it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord, uh, even if there is rain pouring down. Um, I just want to read this uh, this poem, spoken word, over um, over y'all this morning before I uh, start my sermon, and it's a poem called "Mothers." all kinds it says i am eve the mother of mankind the first to walk in the garden the one to sink her teeth into that forbidden fruit that would change history i am sarah who left my people in my comfort zone to link arms with my husband in a new land to raise up nations i am hagar escaping the heat of my mistress by running to the desert with my Ishmael and discovering a God who sees his daughters in the wilderness. I am Esther, an orphan turned queen, called into the palace to pray, persuade, and leverage my privileges for my people. I am Rahab, who extended a rope of hope to strangers because I believed in the power of God and became the mother to Boaz, the great, great grandmother to King David. I am Ruth, a widow turned warrior who worked and gleaned and gained the attention of one Boaz who stands a story of how God turns ashes into beauty. I am Hannah, weeping in the synagogue for God to open my wounds And experiencing the miracle of my sweet boy, Samuel, my gift back to the giver. I am Elizabeth, who became the mother, even with wrinkled face and tired shoulders, who birthed John, the friend and forerunner of Jesus Christ himself. I am Mary, the mother of God's own son, who watched her son die a horrible death on the cross and stands witness today to the power of resurrection you are the new mother cradling your cherub in your arms wondering if you are cut out for this constant work of changing diapers wiping noses buckling into car seats and grocery carts you are the grandmother serving up spaghetti and meatballs along with bible stories and songs to help your little saplings grow in strength and faith you are the wife who stood at her husband's graveside burying him too soon and bearing up his grown children to help them navigate their grief. You are the single woman watching other women's children, waiting and wondering when it will be your turn. You are the working mother packing lunches and slipping into heels, whisking them off to school before the bell rings, before you start your day at the office. You are the adoptive mom crossing cultures to mother, to raise up, to stand in the gap for this child who carries the blood of another. You are the barren mother who weeps when she sees another negative pregnancy test, when she hears the treatment didn't work again. You are the mother whose babies have already flown to heaven, who endures the sting each Mother's Day that reminds you of this deep and hidden loss. Your tears glisten like the stars, tiny holes of light pricking through the night sky, and he sees you there. He does care. He walks with you every step of the way. He comforts you in your sorrow. He waits patiently for you to come home. You are the missionary to the outcast. You are the sister to the prodigal. You are the friend to the friendless you are the coach to the child you are the mentor to the young mother we we are the women of celebration reaching out to the neighborhood investing in schools serving on sundays greeting new friends at the door we are the women who prepared his body for burial who washed his feet with our hair who stood by when others denied him we are the women who were first to the tomb, who were surprised by an angled light and the curve of miracle. We are the women sent out to preach the good news, to tell the story of our risen king. We are the women bending knees in our war rooms on behalf of our children, our husbands, our city, our country, our neighbors, and our friends mothers of all kinds. My heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you, as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, every authority, every government, and every realm of power in existence, he is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in this church, everything needed in our lives. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth. And that which fills him who is being filled by it. My prayer this morning, not just for the mothers, but for each and every one of us. As that we would be filled. We would be filled with his power. That he would be our source. That we wouldn't walk one moment without him as our guiding light. Lord, we just ask you to come. We ask you to come this Mother's Day. Meet each and every one of us. Lord, send your kisses from heaven. Lord, that we might see you. Lord, that you might open our eyes, open our imagination, open and reveal yourself to us this morning. Lord, that it wouldn't just be words, God, but that your word would ring out. And Lord, that you would capture our hearts this morning. Lord, that you would capture our hearts. We can't do this without you. We don't want to do this without you, God. We turn to you this morning and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome. I love that poem. I hope you enjoyed it. It's so good. So good. Hallelujah. So, as I was preparing, you know, it's always an honor to be um, asked to preach. And every time they ask me to preach, I I shake in my boots a little bit. Um, (laughs) But you know what? God comes. And he just asked for obedience. So this morning, I just want to be obedient and give you the word that I feel like God has put in my heart for you this morning. You know, it, we're on our, our um, journey towards Joy Fest. And uh, I'm super excited. I don't know about y'all. I am so excited to see what God's going to do. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in each of you as you step out in faith and invite people, as you, as you invite others to come and experience Christ. And I'm excited to see what God does in you as you step into his presence. He's got something for you at JoyFest. This isn't just going to be another series of, of, of services just to have services. He's got something for you. Say that. He's got something for me. I want you to come and come expectant for what God is gonna do, because He's gonna do something great. But as I was praying, as I was preparing for this message, um, uh, you know, we I was I was focusing focusing in on the Holy Ghost and and what what it is that that He is doing, um, and so I, I came upon this scripture, and it talks about. How we can have lives and houses of peace. So, I don't know about you, but sometimes my house doesn't always look like a house of peace. (laughs) Having four kids, uh, soon to be five, hallelujah, means that there's always noise going on, and there is always, always toys on the floor. And there's always laundry to do. And there's always, there's always something to do. Like, if you're, if you're bored, come to my house. I will find something for you to do. I, I promise. I promise. There's something to do. And so, you know, I can remember just a week or two ago, we went on Mother's Day. Or Mother's Day. Oh, my gosh. We went on the women's retreat. And it was awesome. It was really awesome. But I went up a day early. Um, My mom had to come up and watch Miss Ellie for me and she needed to come up early so that she could get some stuff done in the morning um, before she watched Ellie on Friday night. And so I was like, okay, awesome. I'll go over and all that kind of stuff. um, And, you know, just enjoy a, a, a morning without the kids. You know, Ellie was there, but life with one is a whole lot different than life with four. So, so I went over early and I, It was so funny because it was so quiet. I was like, this is so weird. And so I I sat there, you know, I was was preaching Friday night and, you know, it was Friday morning. And I thought, oh, I'm going to shop or do whatever and get out and enjoy the time. But what I found myself doing was sitting there and just enjoying the peace and the quiet. There's something about just enjoying the peace and the quiet um, that really, that really uh, just refreshes your soul. And so, you know, what, what's even funnier and more humorous is by the end of the weekend, um, which really it was like three days, two days, it was not that much, um, not that much time away. But by the end of it, I was kind of missing my chaos. I was kind of missing all the noise. So I was excited to get back to my kids. But did you know that God promises us peace. He promises us peace in the middle of our chaos and storms. Life has its challenges. You know, I'm, my challenge right now is, is motherhood and, and walking out um, Jesus and walking in the spirit in the midst of that. But each and every one of us has our own things that we're walking in. We have our own, our own life stories that are happening, you know, whether it's a job or it's school or, or it's crazy schedules or it's whatever's on the news. If you're watching the news, just turn it off. But there's things around that are chaos, but we're promised peace in the midst of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there and I'm going to talk about that. But, you know, there's, it takes a certain intentionality. To find that peace. It's not just like, you know, you're walking along and it's like, oh, here's peace. You have to in, be intentional about finding that peace. You know, I, we used to have a joke um, a few years back that, that we were going to go find Jesus in our laundry. And you, you might laugh, that's a funny saying, but you know, it, it was the saying of, I'm still busy, I've still got a whole lot going on. I've still got X, Y, Z and ABC and all the other things that need to happen that need to go on in my life. That can't stop. I can't just stop and say, okay, I'm going to just stop everything and take a break. But I have to intentionally find Jesus in the midst of those things. I have to, I have to put myself in a place where I'm going to find Jesus while folding my 10 million loads of laundry. I have to find Jesus while helping my children pick up the house for the 17th time that day. I have to find Jesus while I'm dealing with my cranky coworker. right? We have to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. We have to be refreshed and filled again and again. That's how we are intentionally finding Jesus. When those times come, you just have to say, Jesus, fill me again. Fill me again. Ephesians 5.18 says, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. There's not one moment of your life that you don't need to be being filled. It's a be-being. It is not a one time I came to the altar, I spoke in tongues, I'm good. Or I think I spoke in tongues, but now I'm kind of questioning it. Guys, I lived that life as a junior higher. Don't question it. Don't question it. Just go with the Holy Ghost. He is filling you. He is faithful to pour out. He's not holding back his gifts. He has poured it out on you. So step up and receive and walk in it. So back to God promising peace. I want to read out of Isaiah 32, verse 15 through 18. I'm going to read it in the ESV first and then the Passion Translation next. And this is the effects of the outpouring of the Spirit in our lives. In the ESV, it says, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effects of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide. In a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And the Passion Translation, I just, I love this version, so I want to read it over you. It says, The desolation will not end until the Spirit is poured out upon us from heaven. Then the wilderness will blossom into a fruitful orchard, and the trees of the orchard will grow into a forest. Then, Justice will reside in the wilderness, and righteousness will dwell in the fruitful orchard. The work of righteousness is peace, and the result of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever. My people will live free from worry in secure, quiet homes of peace. That is the effect of the outpouring of the spirit in our lives, I love that. So let's dive in. You know, um, just a few a few verses before that, it talks about the the context of this scripture that I just read over you, and it's this strong message of repentance for complacency. You know, the people, you know, historically Israel was to be facing the Assyrian invasion in about a year's time, and God was saying, "Hey." Hey, you can't fall asleep. Don't get complacent. You can't get complacent. There's something going to happen. And he's sitting there warning them, and they're sitting back saying, oh, you know, it's okay. The people were careless to see it coming. They did not heed the warning of that day, but we can heed the warning of this day. So let me go back and read it, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. But Isaiah 32, 9 through 14, it says, You careless women, it is time to get up and hear my voice. Now, men, don't think this isn't about you too. It is time to get up and hear my voice. You complacent daughters, pay attention to what I say. Although you are carefree now, you will tremble for many days and years. Your grape harvest will fail and your fruit harvest will not come. "'Tremble, you careless ones. "'Take off your fine garments and expose yourselves. "'Shake with fear and put on sackcloths. "'Beat your breasts in sorrow "'for your pleasant fields and fruitful vines. "'Mourn for the soil of my people, "'for it will grow nothing but thorns and briars. "'Yes, mourn for all the houses of joy "'and the joyous city, "'for the bustling city with its mansions "'will be deserted. "'The high grounds and the watchtowers "'will be empty.' Becoming the joy of wild donkeys and the grazing ground for flocks. Now that's a warning. I don't know about you, but I I think I might listen. (laughs) But here's the thing. This warning that God was speaking out, that the prophet was, was, was crying out to the people, is the warning that we should be hearing today. There's something coming. Don't get careless. Don't get comfortable. Don't get complacent. We so easily fall into this American Christianity, white picket fence life. Of, oh, I went to church on Sunday, I'm okay. I went to church on Sunday, oh, and guess what? I joined a care group, so I'm really good. I'm extra holy. But it doesn't, it doesn't change your life. It doesn't change how you live. We are called to be a mouthpiece of God. To cry out in the wilderness. How many of you know we live in the midst of the wilderness? We live in the middle of a fallen world that needs Christ. They need what you have inside of you. So now is not the time to hold back. Now is not the time to get lazy and sit back and say, someone else will do it. He's calling you and he's saying, wake up, wake up. You know, and I think, I think so many times I think, but I'm not going to be like the great evangelist, Billy Graham, and, and millions of people will come to Jesus because of my ministry. You're not called to be someone else. You're not called to be someone else. You're called to be exactly who God made you to be. And I promise you that He has put you right where you're at, in the middle of the people having the influence with the people that surround you for a purpose. My Bible says He's working it all together, that He's writing the story, that He is the one in charge. That's not an accident. It is not an accident that you work where you work. It's not an accident that you go through the drive through that you go through. Come on. You are a carrier of hope, and it's time to wake up and live in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The seasons of desolation, the seasons of desolation, the things of this world. This world, that everywhere we look, we can turn, we can turn and see the desolation, right? But the only answer to that desolation is Christ and His Holy Ghost. The only answer to His to the to the, the sin problem in the world is the Holy Ghost. Do you see the signs of the time? Do you look around? And see the signs of the times all around you. If you do, that should cause you to to rise up, and say, "I'm not going to sit back." You know, or I'm I'm putting together uh, the spring program for our spring our celebration learning community, and uh, they're doing this little skit, and I love it because the skit's called "The Harvest." Um, and the whole premise is that there's this one person who's trying to wake up all his friends and tell them, come on, the harvest is ready. But they all have their excuses, right? Some think, oh my goodness, that's not my job, that's someone else's job. Some of them think, but I'm too shy and quiet. I can't do it. And some of them think, well, I got to worry about my nails, and I got to worry about my car and my hair and all this stuff. They all have these different, you know, it's cute. It's kids, right? But they all have these different excuses. But in the end, they wake up and they realize, no, the harvest is ready. You know, when we look at Joy Fest, man, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Will you go out? will you go out and be part of the harvest hmm the spirit is poured out on us the spirit until the spirit is poured out from heaven, the desolation will not end. The word here is used as a picture of God freely and totally giving himself as both Son and Spirit. He freely gives. Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Luke 11:13. 13, if, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask, and he gives freely. He gives freely and openly and pours himself out. Just as he poured himself out unto death on the cross, he is pouring out his spirit in this day. In this day, he's pouring out his spirit. It is available for you. It is available for you and me, and we can walk in the power of that spirit you know the presence of god the spirit of our of god in our lives changes things it changes things we don't we don't look the same we don't talk the same we don't walk the same when we've been in the spirit you know we're talking about this in uh, our our wednesday night care group which care groups are really awesome get involved in one if you aren't but we're we're talking about walking in the spirit and how you know, it's not an instantaneous overnight change, right? It's baby step by baby step. Baby step by baby step. Putting yourself in, in the way of allurement. Putting yourself in a place where you can be filled. Where you can be being filled. And as you are filled, you find yourself walking just a little bit further. And eventually you get to where you're looking back and you don't even know who that person is. Who started this journey, right? But but two steps into the journey, you didn't look all that different, right? It was just a couple baby steps. So just take the baby steps. Because he he as he pours out, he will he will change your circumstances. He will change you from the inside out. I love this. And I keep Covering up my notes. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, so I love this part of it. So we know that the desolation will end when the spirit is poured out, right? We've established that. But it says, it goes on to say, Then the wilderness will blossom into a fruitful orchard, and the trees of the orchard will grow into a forest. Man, man. I love that picture. I love that picture. You know, just a few chapters later, there's the, the, the messianic prophecy that we see, Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land will be joyously glad. The desert will blossom like a rose and rejoice. Even the dry and barren place will burst forth with abundant blossoms, dancing and spinning with delight. Gushing water will spring up in the wilderness and streams will flow through the desert. The burning sand will become refreshing oasis and the parched ground, a bubbling spring. As we walk out this life, living in the outpouring, right? Not just living in the little drip, drip from the sink, right? We're living in the outpouring. He's poured poured out. He's taking the bucket and he's pouring it over our heads so that we're fully immersed. As we live our life in that outpouring, He's coming, and He's bringing our wilderness to life. God wants to move you from a place of barrenness and hopelessness into a place of fruitfulness. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He's calling you out. He's saying, remember that desolation, that surrounding that's going to end when you walk in the overflow, when you walk in the outpouring? You don't have to stay there. You can walk out of that desert. Right? I don't have to stay in the dark places. I can walk out into his glorious light. He is calling you out. You are not stuck. The moment that you think that you're stuck is the moment you need to get yourself to the altar crying out to Jesus. The moment you say, I, But I can't get out of this, I'm stuck over here in my desert. Is the moment that he's saying, you better run to me. And he's opened up his arms freely. There is no shame or condemnation in Christ. He has called you out of it. And he's not looking at that. He's looking at what he sees that you can be. He's looking at you through his lens. He's looking at you from an entirely different place. You're looking at you from, oh, I did it again oh, I'm stuck in the mud. Oh, I can't get out. Shame, shame, weight, burdens, and it all comes down, right? But he sees you. He sees you totally different. He sees you righteous. He sees you redeemed. He sees you walking in freedom he sees you no longer bound to your circumstance, but walking in the Holy Ghost and power. He doesn't see you beat, broken, busted, disgusted. He doesn't see that. He sees in a totally different light. You know, I use this at women's retreat, and I just love this, this picture. You know, um, Corey Tinboom would always give her her uh, messages. And she'd be sitting there, and I'm just picturing this. I wish I could have attended. That would have been amazing. But, you know, she'd sit there, and she'd do her cross stitch, her needle point. And she'd be doing it the whole time, just telling her story without, you know, without really, you know, I mean, when I do needlepoint, I'm like, okay, mm, I got, okay, I, I could not do needlepoint and talk to you guys. I would, I can't do it. So that amazes me alone. But she'd get to the end of it. And she'd tell him, she'd say, you know, we see ourselves a lot like the back of this needlepoint. And she'd show him the back. If you've ever seen the back of a needlepoint, it's messy. The strings are everywhere because you've been like going all over the place, filling in the colors, and there's all kinds of different colors, and, and there's the loose string from when you switch colors, and, and it's just a mess, right? But she'd flip it around, and she'd say, but this is how God sees you. And it was the picture of what she was, what she was making the whole time. God doesn't see the mess. He sees what he's called you to be. So he's called you out of the wilderness. But listen what happens. Whoo, I love this. It says, not only does he call you out of the wilderness, but the wilderness will blossom into a fruitful orchard. And then the trees of that orchard will grow into a forest. That's a progression, right? You've gone from the dry, barren land, and now you're walking, and here you are. You find yourself, you're an orchard. And as you keep walking, you find yourself a little bit bit further, and you're a forest. Because expansion happens. As you walk in the outpouring, He expands you. If you are the same as you were three years ago, two years ago, one year ago, it's time for you to look at yourself and say, Whoa, am I walking in the Holy Ghost? Am I walking by faith? Or am I walking in myself? Because when God's involved, He, you better bet he's going to expand you. And it might look scary, but he's going to expand you. So there's this story of these, this Brazilian couple, and the um, media is going to put a picture up. And they had this area of land. And in 2001, it looked pretty barren. It was pretty sparse. There were only a few trees. All the animals had gone away. All of it. And so what they did was they began faithfully to plant millions of trees millions of trees and as they as they cared for the trees as they as they took care of the the area and added more life it began to expand right into what we see in 2019 and what i love is in this story you know it says in all some 172 bird species have returned as well as 30, 33 species of mammals 293 species of plants, 15 species of reptiles, and 15 species of amphibians. An entire ecosystem was rebuilt from scratch. That is a picture of what God wants to do in your life. That is the picture. He wants to take the barren, the thing that looks like it's not good for any life, and he wants to expand you. He wants to bring The life out of you. He wants to expand you so that not even just you're an orchard. Because let's think about an orchard, right? I'm thinking like an apple orchard. You know, we would always go apple picking when I was a kid. And, and, you know, you go and you pick some fruit, right? It's good for some sustenance for you. Um, You know, it's good for provision if you want to sell the apples, right? But think about the difference between... An apple orchard and a forest. An apple orchard is going gonna, is gonna to bring some life, right? And it's going to bring some provision. It's going to bring some sustenance. It's going to bring shelter for smaller animals. It's going to bring some insects and all that kind of stuff. But when you become a wilderness, when you allow God to expand you, so much so that you're a you're a wilderness, a forest, an entire ecosystem is produced that can that can support wildlife, plants, fruit, insects, all of it. As God expands you into a forest, as he continues to expand your life, you're able to then support Think about it. People can come and find rest in the shade of your branches. That's scriptural. People can come and find provision. They can find sustenance in you. They can find, because you're not just offering yourself, right? You're offering Christ. And as you offer Christ, you can become a source of life. Not that they're looking to you, but that you're turning people to Christ, to the one who expanded you. You become that that place where they can find life and goodness. And and they then themselves can be called out of their own wilderness, their own desert, into the the, uh, gloriousness that God has called them into. I love that. He expands us. He goes on to say then justice will reside in the wilderness and righteousness will dwell in the fruitful orchard and the work of righteousness is peace and the result of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever when god when his spirit is poured out justice and righteousness happen You want to look around this world and look at all the problems? There's lots of problems. Too many to even list. But there's one answer. There's one answer. And that's Jesus Christ. He is the answer. You know, I love learning about the different revivals because every time that you read about revivals, You read about a breaking down of the barriers between race and class and gender. And you hear about people's lives being turned around, that the bars are being shut down. You know, one of my favorite is about about the revival where the donkeys had to be retrained because the masters no longer cursed so much. And they, they couldn't understand, what is this person trying to tell me to do? Because now they talk a whole lot different, right? Life in the outpouring brings forth justice and righteousness. There's so much wrong with this world. But we're not called to be of this world. This is not our home. We're called to be beacons of light shining in the midst of it, in the midst of the darkness. Don't make your home in the, in the junk of this world. Be the light. <sighs> and you want to know what the secret is for those, those revivals? There's a quote from Frank Bartleman, who uh, was part of the Azusa Street Revival. And he said, we wanted God in those days. We did not have a thousand other things we wanted before him. It's as simple as that, folks. You want to you see your life change? You want to see revival break out here in Ohio? You want to see your life, your house, become a home of peace, a secure dwelling where you, you have security and, and, and confidence? Desire God above all else. Desire him he is the treasure hidden in a field that we are called to sell everything and go after, because there is nothing more precious than who He is. There is nothing more precious than who He is. You know, we were we were shopping after women's retreat and women's. I, I mean, I keep talking about it, but women's retreat was really it was something special, man. It was it was. Get yourself to Women's Retreat the next time we have it. I don't know when it is, but we're having it, and get yourself there. But, you know, isn't it funny? I had been looking forward to shopping the whole the whole time I was there. And finally, you know, we get done with our Saturday session, and we go to lunch, and it's time for me to go shop, right? And my mom looks at me, and she says, because she's with me, and she, she's like, I feel like I just want to bless you, something extra, for this Mother's Day, so here, I, here's your budget. It was like a really big dollar figure. Like it was not little. It was a really big dollar figure. And I'm like, what? You've given me, you give me what budget? I could get a whole lot with that budget. So my mind starts spinning, right? But what's funny is as I, as I begin, I could get a really nice purse, maybe two for that budget. Nice designer purse, right? But Listen, as I began to walk out into the mall, it was like everything was just kind of faded. Nothing was standing out. Nothing nothing stood out. Nothing jumped out. And usually like my mom asked me if I want something and I've got a list. She laughs at me. I'm like, Yeah, sure, what you want to get me? <laughs> I like presents. I'm a gifts person. It's okay. I know that about myself. But usually I've got this long list of things that I, that, I, that I want, right? But as I walked through the mall that day, everything was just meh, meh. And so I, I went home and I was like, well, that's kind of disappointing. I didn't buy a single thing. Like I got given a huge budget and I did not buy a single thing. That is really weird, God. You're going to have, like, I don't understand. So I began praying, and the next morning, we went into worship, and we were singing Graves in the Gardens, and we're singing that chorus, which I'm sure I'm forgetting the lyrics now. Oh, oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Oh, nothing is better than you. Right? So we're singing that, and God just began to drop it in my heart. He said, you are with me. You were in my presence. You saw the beauty of my holiness. You saw me. And everything else paled in comparison. Because nothing else, nothing else can satisfy like my Jesus. Nothing else can satisfy like a life lived walking in the spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. I look back on my life and do I get excited about the things that I've gotten and the stuff that I've gotten no, half the time I forget what it is I've gotten. The things I get excited about are the times that God has showed up in my life and that I've walked in power. I look back at the times where I've gone on missions trips and I've seen people healed and I've seen God move in miraculous ways. I think about you guys and your stories and I think about what, what we've walked together as a body. And that's what gets me excited that's what gets me excited because there's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than him. We wanted God in those days. We did not have a thousand other things that we wanted before him. I've got about six more pages of notes, but I'm going to start wrapping it up here. Hallelujah. Isn't that how it goes? But I'm going to go back to this verse. Because as we live in the outpouring of Christ, it says that the work of righteousness is peace. And the result of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever. My people will live free from worry in secure, quiet homes of peace. It doesn't say that everything's going to go exactly according to how you think it should. It's not how it goes. Things come up in your life and surprise you. Things happen that don't make sense. But we have security in him. Our security isn't in the things that we have, the home that we've built. It isn't in that. It's in the life lived with Christ. It's in the everyday saying that I'm going to walk in the spirit of God. Walk according to his will, not according to mine. That's where the place of peace and quietness and rest is. If you get caught up in the things of this world and how you think everything should go, all you're going to be is nervous Nelly. All you're going to be is, oh, my goodness, this didn't happen this way. Oh, my goodness, here comes another storm, and it hit me upside the head. Oh, my goodness, here comes another thing. And you're going to be tossed to and fro. You're going to be tossed, and you're going to look like a fool going around like a chicken with your head cut off, saying, the sky is falling. The sky is falling, Right? That's how you're going to look or you can look like you're walking in confidence and quietness and trust and rest because he, he is the one who's your provision. And even in the midst of those waves, you've stepped out and you're walking on those waves, keeping your eyes fixed on him keeping your eyes fixed on him. You know, that, that word dwellings or, or house that it talks about in, this, in the scriptures is actually the word mishkan. And if you know anything about the mishkan, that's the word that they use for the tabernacle. And what was the Tabernacle. The tabernacle was a place of dwelling of his glory. That's what he's promised you. He's promised you that you're going to be secure. Because you're going to be a place of his glory. Where his glory can dwell. I will be steadfast. Not because I. Grace Sloan is steadfast, but because the God I serve is steadfast and faithful. I will not be shaken, not because I am some great human, not because I'm some great Christian, not because I'm a pastor. I will not be shaken. Because the very rock that I set my life on is the cornerstone who will not be moved. The one that will not be shaken. The one that will not be overcome. The one that in the end will reign victorious. So you want a quiet life of peace? I can't tell you that it's going to be quiet all the days of your life following Jesus. But I can tell you, you'll get quiet. You want a life of peace? You want a home that is peaceful? Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You stand You stand at the front of your door and you say, you declare over that house, this is a place where the word of God is going to reign. Jesus and his presence is going to be in this house. I'm not going to stand for the things of this world. They're not allowed in this house. This house, this family is going to follow Christ. This family, this family is going to be at church every time the doors are open. This family is going to live their life in such a way that they are caught up with God's goodness. My kids are not going to be able to to ignore the fact that Jesus is a part of my life. They're going to see me reading my word. They're going to hear me reading my word. They're going to hear me praying in tongues over them. My neighbors might think I'm crazy. They're going to hear it too. Hallelujah. Because my house, my house is going to follow the Lord. And my house is going to be a place where his glory dwells. Worship team, why don't you come back up? Today is the day to be filled. Don't be complacent. Listen, look around. The signs of the time are all around us. It's not a time to sit back and, and, and let someone else do it. It's not a time to sit back and say, I'll be okay. It's a time to get up and run to the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And say, Lord, fill me again. Because there's never... Not been a time in your life where you haven't needed him. I know, I know. We all like to think that there was a time in our life. I've done it. We all like to think that we get to a place where we're good. I don't need more of Jesus. If that's ever come out of your mouth, ah, wake up. I don't know what your word says, but my word says that I'm a sinner saved by grace that there's nothing good inside of me that the only good that is inside of me is Jesus Christ alone and I want to live that out all the days of my life I don't want to sit back and think that I've got it together that's pride that's pride and pride will blind you so fast whoo pride will put on the blinders and you'll see everything and everyone else she won't you won't even look at yourself. Come on. Don't be satisfied by the things of this world. There's something better. There's something better than even the most expensive designer purses out there, ladies. Come on. There's something better. Just being silly. There's something better than a bigger house. There's something better than a new vehicle. There's something better than a new job. There's something better. The world offers temporary, cheap replacements for the real thing. You can can fill yourself up on the world and think it's good, but you're gonna find yourself, you're gonna find yourself empty. You're going to find yourself empty and once again craving more. And you ask yourself what that more is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus.